0: Before the house lights go down, before the applause starts, there's a moment backstage where everything has to come together, where all the practicing either pays off or it doesn't, and everything you struggled to build is put to the test. Places, please. This is a look into the real lives of classical musicians, a show about the people behind the music. I'm Lara Downs. Welcome to the Green Room. That's me, practicing in the Green Room. It's a place where musicians like me spend a lot of time. It's the room backstage at the concert hall where you wait until it's time to go on. And when you're on the road, the Green Room kind of becomes your home for the day. You're practicing, and you've got your snacks and your book, and you're making your phone calls and doing your email and stuff. You just kind of settle in. And then it gets to be 7 o'clock with an hour to go before the show. You change your clothes and put on your makeup and you go over your music one last time and warm up your fingers. And then someone knocks on the green room door and calls, 5 minutes to curtain, 5 minutes please. And it's showtime. The house lights have gone down. Your nerves are pitched high. Your breath is coming a little fast and shallow. You're feeling a little keyed up, a little buzzy. And then you walk out on stage. Into those hot, bright lights, and suddenly everything changes. For a musician, the green room is kind of like the border zone between life and work. It's where you leave a lot of stuff behind your street clothes and your worn out music scores, and your everyday worries and your pre concert jitters, too. In a way, you transform yourself when you walk out of the green room door to go on stage. But in another sense, all that stuff you've left behind in the green room is exactly what makes you the person and the musician you are. On this show, you'll come backstage with me to find out just what goes on behind the scenes and before the downbeat. I'm going to talk to musicians about the busy, exciting, and surprisingly chaotic reality of making a life in music, what it takes to get to the green room. Friends, they have a contemporary chamber music ensemble called Eighth Blackbird. Six players: on piano, Lisa Kaplan, who has climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, and is an accomplished pastry chef; Yvonne Lamb, who plays violin and viola, when she's not obsessively playing Candy Crush; Nick Fotino on cello; the flutist Tim Monroe, who's got a hint of an accent.
1: I'm from Australia, born and bred in Bris Vegas, Brisneeland which is Brisbane.
0: Matthew Duvall, the banger and shaker, and Michael McEffery, who's a devoted follower of the gay rodeo circuit and the group's clarinetist. You might not think that classical musicians have much in common with firefighters, trapeze artists, or astronauts. But think about this. Just like some other high-risk professions, chamber music is all about a team of people who are completely responsible for each other's success and well-being. The word ensemble, as in chamber ensemble, means together. And when it comes to chamber music, the great challenge is achieving an absolute musical synergy where the musical connections among the players become almost instinctive. And it takes literally thousands of hours of rehearsing to make that happen. Add to that all the other hours you spend together when you're touring as much as 8th Blackbird.
2: It's practicing, it's rehearsals, it's shuttle buses and airport gates and hotel lobbies, it's all of it.
0: So what's it like behind the scenes in the green room with 8th Blackbird? Six very different people who have very different lives, but one common goal, perfect togetherness. We're together, people can notice we appear. Together, we'll always be Together Eighth Blackbird first got together in school at Oberlin Conservatory when they were just a bunch of kids who were interested in new music. So how did they end up making a career as a world-famous contemporary music ensemble? Well, first of all, they had to invent it.
1: Nobody passes out a pamphlet for career paths and there's something about, you know, touring new music ensemble.
0: Like many of life's best journeys, this one began without a roadmap. They made it up as they went along just following a dream to make music, to do something new, something different, and to do it really well. And soon they got the big break that set them on the road to success. In 1998, Eighth Blackbird won the Concert Artist Guild Competition, a big prize, a New York debut recital, an appearance on CBS Sunday Morning, and two years of professional management. For the first time, the group thought that this little journey might take them all the way to where they wanted to go.
1: Concert Artists Guild, I mean, that especially really showed to us that people really thought of this as a viable economic thing. I mean, that we could actually make money doing this. We had a definite identity that they could be like, this is this thing, and you've never seen this before.
0: There's an old joke. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. Well, really, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Making a career in music means having a work ethic like you wouldn't believe an ability to think on your feet and think outside of the box, the agility to surf the waves of an unpredictable sea, and the tenacity to hold on to your dreams while juggling all the balls life throws at you. These days, 8th Blackbird is at the top of their game. They're based in Chicago, where they have an artist residency at the University of Chicago. And they also have part-time residencies at the Curtis Institute in Philadelphia and the University of Richmond in Virginia. In the classical music world, by the way, an artist residency is a steady job with a salary, also known as a miracle. The rest of the time, 8th Blackbird is on the road, doing over 60 dates a year all over the globe. They've made 12 albums, won three Grammys, commissioned and premiered works by dozens of composers, and they've set a totally new standard for contemporary music performance, combining the finesse of a string quartet, the energy of a rock band, and the audacity of a storefront theater company. The LA Times calls them super musicians. Success like this doesn't just happen. Success like this takes talent, luck, and a whole lot of hard work. Musicians rely on a pretty impressive skill set, from all the practicing and playing to a whole other side of the job, running a business.
2: Most people don't realize how much administrative work you do to be a, a working musician. Being half administrator and half performer is actually the job. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're creating your own business for yourself, just like everybody else who's self-employed or starts their own business, the organization has grown. The demands asked of us have increased. The diversity of projects we do is bigger. Feels like a lot to juggle. It has turned into a, a company rather than six people just trying to figure things out every day, bumbling along.
1: the same boat with a lot of your friends, waiting for the day your ship will come in the tide's turn and it's
0: As a group, eighth Blackbird has been together for almost twenty years. Think about it. Statistically, that's longer than most marriages. And we all know that marriages, no matter how good they are, take a lot of work. The members of 8th Blackbird admit it's tough to mix the personal with the professional. Years ago, when the group had first formed, two of the members had just broken up after dating for two years. And the fallout took its toll. Fights in rehearsals, tears, slamming doors. Ever since, they've made sure they have some privacy even when they're spending two-thirds of the year together on tour.
1: else?
0: we well, whenever we fly anywhere... We never sit next to each other on the plane. (laughs) We all have window seats on the separate sides of the aircraft. And, you know, when we stay in hotels and stuff, we we ask for, you know, rooms that are preferably on different floors. Yeah, I mean, people think it's really weird, but it's like, no, this is how we all get along, and so that's why it works. These six musicians have essentially grown up together, and they know each other inside and out, for better and for worse.
1: After 18 years... You learn a lot about people and how they just operate, where their buttons are, and when you can push them, (laughs) and when you really shouldn't push them. It, It comes with spending hours together.
0: Musicians by and large are strong personalities. The stereotype of the difficult artist isn't totally off the mark. We have to have a little bit of crazy to support the kind of creative energy we put out every single day. So playing well with others can be challenging. And in a chamber ensemble, for musicians who do literally play together all the time, there's an essential balancing act of self-expression and self-control.
1: There really is a strong sense of ownership. That actually is something that then becomes problematic, because, you know, it's like people's opinions can be wrenched from their cold, dead hands. But there is a strong sense that people will often put the group before their own personal well-being, because we think that the cost-benefit analysis for the group is strong.
2: Can't wait to get on the road again life I love is making music with my friends and I can't wait to get on, the road, again. on the road again
0: eighth Blackbird is on the road about 200 days a year and in case you have any misconceptions about the glamorous life of touring musicians I can tell you right now not so much it goes kind of like this a long plane trip with all the usual inconveniences and discomforts and fabulous airline food, then often as not a rental car hike to the town where you're performing. Then you check into your hotel, and it might be a really nice one, or a not-so-nice one. You go to the concert hall, you rehearse, you make your little temporary nest in the green room, you play the show, and if you're lucky, you have some friends in town who come back and see you in the green room afterwards. And then, probably you head to the place that every touring musician knows and loves all too well.
1: Grab a drink at the bar. Grab a drink. Hotel bar. <laughs>
0: Hotel straight bar. Straight for So when we're on tour, we have our little ways of making home away from home. When I'm at home, I don't get dressed if I don't have to leave the house, and I will spend all day in my robe. Um, I find it comfortable, and I have a one that I travel with. The minute I get into my hotel room, I usually get in the robe immediately.
1: When I find uh, myself on the road becoming fragile, I have rituals. My rituals are very important to me. And so giving myself personal alone time, even if I have a very nice offer to hang out with the whole group or with uh, another, like a friend in a local area, I'll just maintain my own personal space.
0: And here's the other thing. For a lot of us out on the road, even if we're travelling in a kind of musical family like 8th Blackbird, The problem is that we have our real families back at home. And we are, so often, just not there. Nick and Matthew are both confronting the nearly impossible dilemma of combining parenthood and marriage with a job that keeps them on the road nine months out of the year. Nick and his wife, Yatsko met back when they were both music students in college, and she's watched his whole career unfold. She's a pianist with a career of her own, and now, with a two-year-old at home, the realities of Nick's job have taken on a new significance.
1: Before we had kids, you know, we were both working, and we saw each other when we could. Even when I was home, sometimes she wasn't there. She's a pianist. She has a job up in Milwaukee. In the summer, she goes to Iowa for about eight weeks. Obviously, kids change everything. It's, it's been very hard for her for really obvious reasons. There's so much of the time that she's a single working mother. And then there's also the dog and the dishes and all of the stuff, and I'm just not there. So we're having some pretty serious problems in our relationship right now.
0: For Matthew the struggle to fulfill his role as a dad has brought him to a real crossroads. I'm
2: not sure what to say. It's a very big topic, and a long time ago, I gave up believing that it was possible to describe it so anybody else could understand. I have a wife and two kids and two dogs. I'm gone 200 days a year. In my case, anyway, it took a toll. I'm in the midst of what is basically a sabbatical. I had reached a point where either I scaled back and took a break or I was inevitably going to have to quit.
0: Matthew's kids are 10 and six now. It's been hard to be the father he wants to be, but he's fighting the good fight to be there for his kids whenever and however he can.
2: At some point they start to realize that you're not there and they start to wonder what that means. and. You go to the next step and they start to have an understanding of the length of time and so they start to want to know the number of days and so forth. And when we got to that point, then we started to have conversations about you're going to be gone for seven days, what are we going to do? And I would tell her, I would say, well, what are you going to do? You have your music class and you have to go to school and every single day you have to do your jobs, brushing your teeth in the morning and you have to remember to do it at night too. And we would go through all these things that she was going to do for the next six or seven days. And then I would tell her what I'm going to do. And I would say, OK, so you do a really good job, and I'm going to do a really good job. And then when I get home, tell me everything that you do. And I travel with books and we read at night still, even though I'm not home. My six-year-old, sometimes he puts me on his cars, and, and I go on rides around the house because I'm on the phone. You know, He puts the phone on the car, so he's taking me for a ride. It kind of makes <laughs> me nauseous, actually, but it's very funny.
0: The other four members of the group are single, and a recurring theme emerges. It's hard to stay grounded with friends and partners when you're always taking off again. It is hard for relationships. I don't see my boyfriend very often. He doesn't live in Chicago, so that doesn't help either. He lives in New York. My best friend had to schedule her wedding around my schedule, which wasn't very nice for her. So maybe we aren't always around to hang out on a Friday night.
1: Where are you? Are you in Chicago? We're going here. We're doing this. Want to eat? Want to come? No, sorry. I'm in Florida. I'm in Arkansas or whatever.
0: But we find our own ways to connect, and we make connections count.
1: I have changed the way that I have friendships. I have fewer number of friends. They're much deeper friendships. They're also much more likely to be people who I can call up after six months not talking to them and we will talk the way that we had when we last got off the phone.
0: You know that dream, the one where you find yourself naked in a room full of strangers? I've never had that one. Instead, I have dreams about showing up on stage, prepared to play the wrong concerto, or trying to fake my way through a piece of music I've never seen before. Why this crazy career in music? The stress level's incredibly high, putting yourself out there day after day for audiences and critics. The hours are long, the travel's exhausting, and no one's really pulling down a huge salary. And still, we do it, and we love it, and here's why. Simply put, we get to play music, and we get paid for it. You feel so lucky to have this job, or I do anyway. I'm like, Jesus, Like I'm actually like able to sustain myself and do something that I'm incredibly passionate about. We live our lives off the beaten path and on our own time.
1: It's the weirdest kind of thing that I love, but I love getting home on a Sunday and Monday and Tuesday on my weekend. And I get to go and like party on a Monday night.
0: We earn a ton of frequent flyer miles. When I was
1: a freshman in college, I never would have dreamed in a million years that I've been to as many places in the world as I've been in the last
0: 18. And it's never ever boring the incredible variety of what we do, and the sense of no boundaries. There's nothing boxing me in to a definition of what I am as a musician, and I feel like I can constantly create that and change it. There's a healthy sense of surprise in this job. Most of all, we just love the possibility of putting a little something beautiful out into the world every day. In this crazy job, we love the highs so much, we'll take the lows, and whatever else, Whatever baggage we have waiting for us back in the green room, when we walk out on stage and make music for you, something magic happens.
2: No matter what else is going on and what happened that day, or when they open the stage door and you go out there, none of that matters, you just play your ass off. And it feels so good.
0: So for all of us who are out there on the front lines making the world safe for classical music, whether we're at home in the studio or out on the road, packing or unpacking, doing our laundry, doing our hair, doing our taxes, it's just a day in the life and we'll do it again tomorrow. I'm Lara Downs at The Piano. If you're in the audience at our next show, come backstage and see us in the green room.